Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I speak to the oh-so-wonderful Jamie Purdy. After two C-sections, Jamie was determined to have a natural birth for her third. She booked into a local hospital and planned to stay at home as long as possible. During the pregnancy, though, Jamie realized that having a planned home birth was probably the best decision and hired a midwife at 30 weeks. Shortly after, though, her midwife Martina, who has previously been on this podcast, if you want to check her out, told Jamie she could no longer support her because she felt she was only 80% there and still not taking full responsibility for the birth. While this was initially a shock and she was taken aback, she is now ever grateful for this as it tipped her over into taking full responsibility for her birth and for her having her dream water home birth. Jamie's birth was supported by a doula and the authentic birth keeper, Emily, who has also been on this podcast. Jamie's story is a lesson in how mental preparation is everything and also in how quickly we can grow and things can happen and how there is always room to come into alignment if you are willing, even if it is at 30 weeks pregnant. Enjoy this conversation with a mama who really gets how birth works. Okay, welcome Jamie to the Renegade Mama. It is so wonderful to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Jamie, we connected via Emily, your birth keeper. And uh, if she recommended you to be on the podcast, I was like, this lady has got to be on there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She thinks very highly of you. And um, I think your story is, yeah, really great. And I was just watching your beautiful little birth reel that you put up the other day. And I had tears watching your free birth. (laughs) I'm so nervous putting that up. (laughs) It was wonderful. I was just like watching it crying. My kids were like, why are you crying? I'm like, it's just so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I'm um trying to process it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you're only what, is it three months postpartum? Three months, yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, so um if you could just maybe introduce yourself to our guests, say a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you're about, um, your beliefs, maybe, and yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> Awesome. Um, I'm Jamie. I live in Melbourne. Um, I've got three kiddos. The first two were emergency C-sections. Um, and obviously we're not emergency C-sections. I was just very ill-educated. Um, so I'll just dive straight into it. Um, my, all my pregnancies are straightforward, no complications, you know, no, no issues whatsoever. Um, with my son, he was a surprise um, pregnancy. We were meant to get married. So basically I went and tried the wedding dress on, like ordered it. And my mother-in-law was like, don't get pregnant. And I was like, okay, next. And I think that was November. In January, I was like, oh, pre- positive pregnancy test. What am I going to do now? <laughs> Love um, it. We booked to get married in Vegas. So we had to cancel everything. Oh, man. Um, that was frustrating. But I was like, hey, here we get a baby out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, as you do when you're very uneducated, I had private health insurance and I was like, well, I pay all this money. I may as well book in for a private, you know, obstetrician and go to a private hospital. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I did. Um, yeah. I, I, I understand how people do this. It's really logical, right? It's just like yeah. the, the path laid out before you if you don't know any better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so everything went well. Um, a friend of mine was pregnant as at the same time. She was due a month in front of me. She had her baby. She had a stretch and sweep. She went into labour that night, had a six-hour labour. Baby came out of the water. Sweet. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's going to be me too. <laughs> so naive. Um, I got to four, I think it was like just before 40 weeks and my obstetrician was like, oh, do you like a stretch and sweep? No explanation of what it, you know, what the risks or what the benefits were that you know, can cause infection or we could rupture or whatever or just not do anything because your body's not ready to go into labour yet. Um, so I went ahead with it. It was excruciating um and that night had nothing but um false contractions from like for a period of 12 hours mm. um and then stupidly went back the next day and got another one done <laughs> and that yeah so that that night labor started um and I went so I called my student midwife um she came around and I just because it was my first time, I was like, I don't know what to expect. I feel safer in the hospital. So we went in at about two o'clock in the morning. Um, I don't really remember much of it because, you know, what, you know, when it's, you know, highly drugged and all that sort of stuff, you don't really remember much. Um, but I remember we sort of were, we set up in the delivery suite and they're like you know not much is going on um we'll wait till your obstetrician gets to work because he worked just in an office off from the hospital Mm -hmm. and um he came in at nine o'clock and he checked me um Mm -hmm. and he was like oh yeah not much is happening we'll see how you go over the next couple hours and then we'll talk about breaking your waters again no explanation as to what you know implications that could um, bring up or anything like that it was just like this we'll do this and your baby will come quicker so mm-hmm. um, after however long he came back still no progress broke my water and then obviously the contractions from there were quite painful um, I was coping okay before that and then I was like no nah, I need some kind of relief so got in the bath um, at that point which was so you've got your delivery room and then you had to walk down a hallway and then there was the bath which oh was my gosh ridiculous. so if there was other people there like being admitted or whatever you're just like fully starkers but at that point I was like I don't even care anyone can see me um so yeah I was in the bath for a few hours and then I started to get a bit pushy I reckon I was like transitioning through maybe four centimeters or something because I just was like I don't know why I felt the need to bed down, but I did. And as soon as the midwife heard it, she's like, all right, get out. Because I was in a private hospital. They didn't allow you to birth in the tub because it's not hospital policy. So they had to get me out. Oh, my gosh. And, and then get me on the bed and check me, and I was four, four centimetres. So I was like, oh, my God. If I, like, it's too much effort to get back in the bath. I'll just lay on the bed. Um, so a few more hours go past and not coping with the pain at all obviously because I'm on my back in bed um so yeah what a horrible place to be yeah (laughs) especially when it's all like lower back pain Mm -hmm. um so they offer me I've strictly said from the beginning I don't want an epidural because I wanted to try and do it as naturally as possible and um they're like what like at this point, they were like, why don't you want the epi? And I was like, I just, I want to try and do it without it. Um, 
and so we tried is it pethidine the shot they give you like a shot in the leg or something yeah I'm not sure but probably yeah yeah something like that and um I was like in and out of like just this I don't know if you would even call it consciousness um like I was just out of it completely like I'd pass out during um the rest phase and then obviously wake back up when it was contraction time um but I was delirious at that point like I'd had nearly two nights with no sleep Mm -hmm. um so that all happened then as the morphine or pethidine or whatever it was wore off um obviously still was trying to escape the pain and then they were like come on you know there's still the epidural left so I was like just get it in (laughs) so I did that and then that's obviously where they obviously the cascade started from the stretch and sweep and it's all come downhill from now Mm -hmm. um so I had the epidural Bob's heart rate started to go really low so it was down to about 70 Mm -hmm. um and then the obstetrician came back in. It was like six o'clock at this point. And um, uh, he was like, so what, what do you want to do? And I was like, what are my options? And he goes, we can put the drip in and speed up your contractions. And I just looked at him like, are you stupid? Like he's already not coping with the contractions as it is. Why would you put him under extra stress? I was like, before they took me to theatre, I think I was like nine centimetres. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to check to see obviously how far he was within the birth canal and they made up some bullshit. Like he was deflect, he had a deflexed head or something. Yeah. Um, and you, you can see like in the photos after, cause my midwife, um, let my student midwife take over and she was taking all these photos and you can see the shape of his head. And it was like a normal, like baby stuck in a, well, not stuck, but like baby descending yeah. normal shape, normal shaped head. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I don't want to risk anything. Let's just get the baby out. Um, he's already not coping with these contractions. So a little bit, um, I think it was, it wasn't long after that baby was born. Cause, um, my husband had organized for his mum to come and drop him some dinner. Cause obviously we'd been up two nights. He was starving, tired. He'd gone out to get his McDonald's from his mum and come back into the room. No one was there. Oh <laughs> man. So I was like this mad rush to get him up there. Um, but yeah, we, we got to the delivery room and he, when my son Jordan was born, he was like gray, limp, not crying. They brought him like to the side of me and I was outstretched like Jesus and could barely move. Um, yeah. And they just showed me my baby. And at that point it like, now that I look back over it, it's like, it does, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel like he belonged to me because that mm-hmm. experience was like, you know, I'd left it to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it must be I such asked, a weird feeling. Yeah. You know, you said, I, yeah, I asked them, can I touch my baby? Like, oh <laughs> my God. Like when I think back at that now, I'm just like, that's disturbing anyway. Um, yeah. And just, so, yeah. it, obviously you, you didn't say it's a C-section. Yes. Oh, yeah. So we yeah. went to emergency C-section. Yeah, I yeah. requested that we get him out ASAP. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I was like, can I touch him? So I touched his little hand and he grabbed my finger and I could see my husband's face and he was like, not, like he was just like, I thought he was freaked out. The look on his face, I thought he was freaked out. 
when they asked him if he wanted to cut the umbilical cord because he's like, no, she's like cut open on the table. I don't want to see her insides. But now that I think back over it and I've spoken to him as well, it's like he could see them trying to resuscitate. I think it was like eight minutes or something. He's like, I don't want to go over there and see my dead baby. Mm. Um, so he was just like sitting next to me and um, he's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going over there because he was freaked out. Um, so the pediatrician injected some IV fluid into his umbilical cord and he perked right up after that. So that was lucky. Um, he went into special care overnight. I tried to do skin to skin in recovery, um, but I just felt like I needed to vomit. So I think he was only for like 20 seconds. And then I was like, nah, just get him off me. I, I can't mm-hmm. like, couldn't even vomit because everything's so numb. Yeah. And then my obstetrician comes into the recovery room and he's like, oh, you know, he looks well. Um, everything went well. And I've got to go now because I've got a plane to catch. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> if I didn't, you know, know any better, it was like all those things that happened was you just trying to speed everything up because you had a plane to catch and you didn't want your offsider to get paid for my delivery. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, wow. So that was a lot to process as a first time mum. And even like with baby going to special care, me not getting to hold him for, I think it was like 12 hours, maybe even longer, and family and everyone going in and holding him first. Like I didn't get that bonding time. Um, It was just a complete write-off. And every time I explained that story after I'd had him, I was like, oh, you know, but people have had it worse than me, which led to a lot of... um, postnatal depression which didn't come on until a very long time afterwards until Mm -hmm. I was able to process it all Mm -hmm. um, and allow myself to process it yeah so I was adamant if I had another kid which I wanted another baby that that was like always on the cards um, that I'd opt for be back and I'd do as much research as I could in my head I wanted as much support as I could but at the same time I knew my husband is a bit um, bit of a sheeple. So if I <laughs> if I was to say I want a home birth with like midwives and stuff, he'd be like, what are you, a hippie? <laughs> so um, the second time I got pregnant, I was like, look, I know all the things. I've done all the research. I should just be fine. So I was like, I'll book in at a public hospital. Um, and so this is how not stupid, but I guess how much of a people pleaser I was at that point. I wanted this home birth, but was too scared to ask for it. So I settled for having my baby in a public hospital, thinking I could get through the MGP program, which is, you know, you just have the one midwife, the whole pregnancy. I had my appointment. They said, oh, sorry, because you've had a previous C-section, you've got to go on a red path, which means you see the obstetrician. I was like, well, what's the point of that? And like now when I think back of it, I'm like, how disturbing. I picked my obstetrician from the first one and had him through the public hospital. And my reasoning was, well, he performed a great C-section the first time. If I need another one, at least I know he'll do a good job. So I'd already set myself up to fail basically because my head obviously was not in it. Yeah. Um, so yeah did everything through him and then just had uh, my daughter at the hospital um 
everything again, smooth pregnancy, no issues at all. Um, I refused every stretch and sweep that they offered me. I think he maybe only asked me two or three times. I'm like, don't even go there. I'm not doing it. I want to I want to wait for her to be ready. Um, and yeah, so I waited, I think I was 41 and three. I always say 41 and five, but I don't know where I got confused all the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I felt like forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was at home in bed. I'd woken up at about midnight and contractions had started. I was sort of leaning over the fit book because at one stage she was breached and I'm just like, I just want to get her into a better position. And then my water broke um, and contractions were sort of every two minutes at that point. So I was like, well, this could happen quite quickly. Again, really naive of what birth was like, what physical physiological birth was at that point. And obviously it could still take, you know, however long it takes. Um, so I started to get a bit antsy at home and because everything was happening quite quickly, like two minute um, intervals and the pain was obviously once your waters break, it's a bit more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I opted to go to the hospital uh, and it was just a failure from the get-go. They knew I was a VBAC patient, so they put me in a room without a bath. I hadn't got to discuss with them that I wanted a water birth because, you know, they weren't taking care of me. It was my private obstetrician. So they've just seen that I'm a VBAC patient, so we won't put her in a room with a bath. So I just settled with the shower. I was sitting on the football in the shower with the water on my back. And, you know, they keep coming in every, however often the monitor falls off because they need to keep a, you know, a read on Bub's heart rate. Oh, yeah. So that was, that was a nightmare. Just having them like, you know, fiddle with everything while you're in a contraction. It's like, just fuck off, leave me alone. And I remember at one point I accidentally splashed her with the um, hose and she cracked the shits because she got wet. Oh, my gosh. And then I felt bad, like, I'm the woman in labour, what the, like, anyway, so I've obviously since learnt my lessons from being a people pleaser. Um, Yeah, yeah, so um, after that, I was like, I'll just get out of the shower. It's obviously um, a pain for everybody else, so I'll just get out of the shower and I'll try and labour out, you know, in the the delivery, or what do you call it, the birth suite. Mm -hmm. Um... But it was, the pain was too much. And I just said, look, the only thing that's going to, I just, I guess I felt like I wasn't supported enough. Like my husband, he's a man. Some men just have no friggin' idea what they're doing. And that's my husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and even still, like I hadn't had that conversation with him because I wasn't, you know, in the right headspace and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I just felt like the only way I could get through that again was to opt for the epidural. I was worried that it would cause the same problems that happened with my son, but I was in so much pain. Um, and then I had to, I felt like I had to wait forever and I felt like the second one hurt way more than the first one. Um, so I went in, but when it went in, it, I felt like this weird pop and it left like an inch or so on one side that wasn't going numb. Mm. So I could still feel the contraction on that one like tiny little bit and it was still painful enough just to fully um, sort of put me off. 
and like not was not comfortable at all um and then the opposite happened um so I got faint and dizzy after the epidural Mm -hmm. and then um and then summer's heart rate went up to like 160 and apparently it wasn't coming down from there so they thought there must have been some kind of cord compression or something um so my obstetrician wasn't at the hospital at that point they called him let him know what was happening and then he was on his way in and I just remember so because of the pain I was still feeling they said every time the epi button lights up just press it so I'd press it every time I lit up and eventually it um fully numbed me and um I remember having so much there was just so much going on like you know you're meant to be left well not in a hospital you're not meant to be left alone but I had a woman coming in asking me if I wanted to donate cord blood and all this. Oh, my God. Like, could you not have? I know she probably couldn't have waited, but, like, could you just leave me alone? Anyway. But, I mean, okay, like, on that point, it's just, like, so crazy why you would ever donate cord blood because your baby needs that blood. Why the fuck are they asking? Are you willing to compromise your baby so we can save somebody else? Yeah. And I was naive again at that. And I was like, look, I would prefer to have delayed cord clamping. So if there's any left after that, have it. But yeah, obviously (laughs) when they do a C-section, it's just like, whatever. They just do whatever the hell they want. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy though. Imagine afterwards if people coming around to people after they had their baby saying, do you mind if we just take one third of your baby's blood in a syringe? Is that all right? We'll just like take it out of them. Like people would just go, what the fuck? Because they don't realise <laughs> that they don't realise that this is exactly what they're doing, taking cord blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ah. crazy. Okay, so yeah. Um, so I so- had her coming in and then not long after that, I had my the midwife who was looking after me. She came in in scrubs and I sort of looked at her funny. I was like, what's going on? She's like, oh, Bob's heart rate's kind of high. We're just keeping an eye on it. I reckon not even like 10 minutes later, she came back with scrubs for my husband um then all of a sudden you know the obstetrician from that hospital was coming in and having a chat with me she's like look your your baby's heart rate is still quite high it's not coming down um which correct me if I'm wrong but I don't see 160 as like super high no some baby's heart rates like that would be maybe like a variation of normal anyway yeah um yeah, so they, whether they just made it up, I don't even know to this day, but um, I was wheeled down to theatre and I remember saying to the anaesthetist, I was like, can you make sure that you dose me up well because my body, like, it sort of gets the anaesthetic out of my system quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, yep, that's fine. It was not an emergency at all. We were waiting for so long. Obviously, we were waiting for my obstetrician to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they delivered her. Again, like, there was not much noise. There was, like, no crying. Um, she had to go straight up to special care. Um, so I didn't get, like, that, you know. I never got the skin to skin. I never got any of that. Wow. Um, <clears throat> How was um, your breastfeeding journeys with both of them? Was so it my co- breastfeeding most? journey with my son was mixed fed. 
he was yeah. that baby I always felt as if I wasn't making enough he was such an unsettled baby never slept properly we went to sleep school like we did all of it um and he didn't sleep through the night until he was at least I think 11 months old um and it was it was hard um he only fed on the boob for seven months Mm-hmm. And then I went back to work and then had mastitis because it was too hard to get out of work and pump and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Then with my daughter, I had expressed a lot of colostrum, but the annoying thing was when they delivered her, they, because I was so out of it from all the drugs, um, I was like so numb that I asked my husband to hold a spew bag next to my face so I could spit my spit in it because I thought I was going to choke on it because I couldn't swallow it. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, so they asked him to sign the piece of paper that allows you, that allows them to feed your baby formula. Mm. And I said, I would, you know, prefer the, her to have the express colostrum that you've got in the freezer. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That didn't get, tra- like that didn't get communicated. And um, I found out, like, when we were leaving, all the colostrum came home with me. So I was like, what the fuck were they feeding her in special care? Which mm. was formula. <laughs> so that yeah. was a bit, that was super frustrating. Mm-hmm. But with her, I pushed through. Um, I had, you know, I bought, with all babies except for the last one, milk came in day three. I had plenty of milk and mm-hmm. my daughter fed um she was two I had to get her off because she just wanted it all the time I was like hard enough leave me alone I want my body back um and like 90th percentile baby so you know there's no issues there Mm -hmm. um so yeah she was in special care for I think it was like 30 something hours wow Um, and my husband was like when should we let people know she's arrived I'm like not until I've actually had time to bond with this one. Mm. Like I want to be the first one to hold her. Um, yeah, so that was experience number two. Wow. And I thought I was done at two. I've always been a person who was like, yeah, I'll only have um, two and I had one of each. So it was like, you know, if anyone asks, I'm like, you don't need to have another one. You've got the pigeon pair. Um, but I just didn't feel done. Um I don't know if it was because of the two horrible experience I had with birth that I wanted to experience what real birth is supposed to be like. Um, That's fairly reasonable as well. <laughs> but also, like, I love watching them grow and learn and, yeah. like, seeing their little characters come out. Like, that's obviously the ultimate um, the Absolutely, ultimate yeah. So it took me, well, my daughter's four and um, he was born. Um two weeks after her fourth birthday. So it took me a few years to try and convince my husband for the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then literally as soon as I thought I wanted to be pregnant and he had given me the okay, we feel pregnant, like first try. So I was like, mm-hmm. see, it was, it was meant to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, like the whole pregnancy, there was like no issues whatsoever. I had, um, I had a dating scan because mm-hmm. I was too impatient to wait for the 13-week scan and then the 20-week scan. And then if I could go back again, I would have no scans. Yeah. Um, and, and what did you decide from the outset that you were having a private midwife? Is that right? At a home birth? Or how was this happening? So I, I had booked into the public hospital with no 
private anything. Okay. I was just like, I'll go in as a public patient. I know my rights. I know what I like. I know that like I have to consent to everything that I want to do. They can't force me to do anything. Um, at that point, still, I was still, you know, trying to work on what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this whole pregnancy was just a massive journey for me. It sounds like you changed really fast. Really quickly. I don't even know how I did it. (laughs) Like I'm still, I'm still catching up mentally. Um, But so, yeah, I'd booked into the public hospital. I had my first phone call because obviously COVID phone um, consult and it just explained the last births and what I wanted for this birth and let them know that I wanted to be back after two cesareans. And they're like, yeah, that's great. We'll have to book you in to speak to a doctor about that because, you know, we don't support that because um, it can be quite dangerous. I'm like, here we fucking go. Here's the spiel. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I didn't have my first appointment till like 28 weeks. And then, you know, they, they did all their usual bullshit scaring you about how you're going to spontaneously combust if you go over 40 weeks and all this bullshit yeah um and then I was asked if I was going to do the glucose test and I was like no oh so let me go back to my 20 week scan I had this um I don't know maybe I just matured a bit more and I was thinking things through more obviously because I'd been through two horrible experiences and I was like I was starting to trust my body fell pregnant because, you know, it, this is what was supposed to happen, mm-hmm. obviously. And then I started to feel like if my body knows how to fall pregnant, my body knows how to grow this baby perfectly fine. So for me, the 20-week scan was just almost like a confirmation that I didn't really need, yeah. um, like an outward validation, if you will. And um, I said to myself, if everything is measuring fine, baby looks normal, I'm not going to do any more testing. So when they offered the glucose tolerance test to me, I was like, no, nah, not doing it. And then they wanted an extra blood test that they didn't originally get at the nine weeks when I did it, which I think was like hep B or something. Um, so they kept pestering me because it's in their best interest for the safety of their staff. And I'm like, yep, okay, whatever, <laughs> not doing it. Um, and then I had another appointment at 30 weeks and between this I was sort of toying with the idea of having a home birth hadn't really spoken to my husband about it yet yeah but I was like this is what I want I'm just gonna investigate different avenues so I'd spoken to a midwife who was not registered but I chose not to tell my husband that part yeah he's like she's a midwife she knows what she's doing we'll be fine Mm -hmm. yeah um which you've had on the show, Martina. Yes. She's yes. freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had I contacted her and I was speaking to her. She she is what I reckon sort of tipped me over the edge to sort of think more for myself. Um mm-hmm. Because, you know, you have these antenatal appointments with the hospital and they ask you all these stupid questions, whereas Martina comes in, sits down with you, asks you questions and then goes, but why? Like, Mm. you know, she'll ask you a question about, like, something random and you'll give the answer and she'll go, 
was like, why did you answer it like that? And I love like, that about her. She, <laughs> it's also like her Germanness that she can yeah. be just like so abrupt or like direct. And yeah, I, I loved I, it. I also have this kind of tendency. I'm not German at all, but um, to just <laughs> ask people the the hard questions and maybe yeah, well, seemingly yeah. look rude, but really get to the truth or the core of why they did that or why they believe honestly, X, Y, or Z. In the beginning, I was like a bit like, oh, what the fuck? Like, yeah, she can be really abrupt. But at the same yeah. time, I was going through the motions of it all and I was like, okay, so why am I reacting that way to these certain things? Mm-hmm. Why am I people-pleasing? Why am I not looking after me? Like it was just this massive, you know, eye-opener of, so the idea was to go into this 30-week appointment and use my new skills to just say no. Like no is a complete and full sentence. You don't have to say anything <laughs> else. So I remember sitting in the um, waiting room and I was there for like an hour and a half. I was like, this is fucked. If I have to wait any longer, I'm getting up and leaving and not coming back. Um yeah. Because the whole time I was just in a ball of anxiety because I'm like, I'm going to have to stand up to these authoritative people and, you know, I'm not, like, I'm not confident in doing that, blah, blah, blah. So I got into the appointment and it just so happened that that day Eastern Health System had been hacked into by Russia. So they (laughs) they had none of my details, like they had none of my file there. So I used that to my full advantage and told them, like, the bare minimum and she was like, have you done your glucose tolerance? I was like, no. And I wasn't like ever planning to. Um, and, and she's like, oh, so you're still planning for your VBAC? And I was like, definitely. And she's like, you know, we don't support that. I'm going to have to book you in with the head obstetrician, who's apparently a real see you next Tuesday at that hospital. See you next so I Tuesday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, I was like, I didn't want to drop the C-bomb. I wanted to be a little bit, you know, I do swear a lot, but I, this is a women's show so we'll try and keep that one under wraps um uh yeah so she was like we'll book you in with her um and I was like no and I thought to myself in that moment I was like the only reason I keep coming back to these appointments is because I actually go to reception and book it again I was like I'm just not gonna do that yeah yeah so you know we had this big discussion about what I was doing and what I wasn't doing Mm -hmm. and then she says to me we'll just check bubs and then she stopped and she's like would you like me to check baby's heart rate and I was like oh my god did you just did you just use you know did you ask me a question (laughs) that was awesome anyway so I was like yeah sure um and then yeah everything's fine and it was the most annoying thing too was these obstetricians who claim to be professionals and know all of this stuff about birth. And they were women too. I was like, this is where my uterus ends at this point in my gestation. And why you got the Doppler so high up? Like baby's down here. And she's like, no, 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 baby's. Um, I'm like, no, baby. She couldn't find a heart rate. And I'm like, try down here. She tried it. She's like, oh, there's the heart rate. I'm like, fucking hell. Oh my God. <laughs> what am I dealing with here? Yeah. So 30 weeks came, had the appointment and just walked straight out of the building. And I have not heard from a hospital since. According to them, I'm like 54 weeks pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard a word from them since. So, I mean, good riddance, but. Yeah. This is the, I asked this with Ashley, my other lady I had on the podcast had a back after two cesareans and I just kept saying to her well no I didn't kept, keep saying I said to her why did you go back like yeah 
because we're a sucker for punishment. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Because we haven't learnt the lessons yet. Yeah, you just need to, yeah, learn the lessons, right? That's it. Um, yeah. So then after that, obviously I had spoken to my husband. I remember at one point he was like, so are you planning like a secret home birth or something? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I'm pro- I think I am. Um <laughs> And he was a little bit annoyed because he's like, why don't you just talk to me about these things? Like, I'm not, Mm. it takes him a little out of processing, but he's always got my back at the end of the day. Yeah. But we were going through some shit um, at that point in time, like personal relationship stuff. And um, that was like my biggest hurdle at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, playing the victim in that situation. And um, I think that's where I was really struggling mentally. Like I was okay doing all the other work that I needed to do mentally, but it was just that one thing that I was like, you know, this is not right. Why is he not listening to me? Why can't he see it from my side? Mm-hmm. Um, and then literally one night, some like one thing happened and it was, that was it. It was clear. It was done. And mm-hmm. I was like, awesome. I can move forward with my birth plans. Mm-hmm. Next. So over those, you know, that day that that happened, the day before I had a message from Martina and um, she was like, look, I'm not quite sure, you know, that um, you've done enough to sort of get you to that, um, you know, that blissful home birth. She's like, with where you're at currently, I think mentally um, you're like 80% there, but she's like, there's still that 20%. um, that you still need to work on and she's like at this point I don't think I'm the right support for you Mm -hmm. um and I was like a ball of tears so this this had happened like the day after like she'd sort of sent me a message the day before Mm -hmm. outlining you know what her um what do you call what her worries were then the day after that thing happened with my husband and everything was like, oh, I was like, yes, this is awesome. That next day she was like, yeah, I don't really think I can support you anymore. So I was like, fuck. <laughs> like this massive meltdown. And I was like, well, fuck her. I'm going to prove her wrong. And yeah. um, I called my husband, like I messaged my husband. I'm like, Martina's just bailed on me. And he's like, what? Like he lost it. I'm like, look, you know, it is what it is. We'll just prove her wrong. Um and I think two days later, I'd sort of come to terms with it all. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, um, old me would have hung on to that and been like, well, fuck, I'll have to book into the hospital then. And I was like, no, like, this is how much I want this birth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do, I'm going to do the work. I don't know what I was stuck on, but I'm going to push forward. Yeah. Um, and then as it turns out, it's so weird. So like the universe is just crazy how things fall into place and just work. So I'd contacted this woman not knowing that Martina had a pool if I wanted to birth in a pool. So I contacted mm-hmm. this woman earlier and um, I asked her if she had a pool to hire. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, it told me the price. And I was like, geez, that's expensive. Not sure if I can afford it anyway. So then I asked Martina and she's like, yeah, yeah, I've got one. And then when she obviously left I was like fuck now I'm gonna have to get one again and had every intention of contacting this woman so anyway day two I'd processed it all and I was like okay I can do this we can do this um because my husband was like fuck it we'll do it whatever you want to do we'll do it Mm -hmm. considering from a guy at the start who was like no we are not having a home birth and he's like you're a hippie 
to now like let's be all hippie as we can and try to have this birth at home yeah I was like wow okay like that for me was just another thing that was like oh he does support me and he's you know but it was also because you came into your own wasn't it yeah definitely that's why he supported you yeah but there was still a little bit that I was trying to get through and this person this person helped me get through that part as well yeah and um so this woman then approached me two days after like I said once I processed it all and she was like hey just checking in to see if you still need this pull because she hadn't heard from me for a while yeah and I was like well actually yeah because my midwife has bailed on me and um she's like how about we have a call tomorrow or whatever and um you know I can just see where you're at and we can just have a chat and you know see what you want to do from there ends up being Emily who (laughs) is like (laughs) so I think she had spoken to Martina about what had happened because obviously they sort of worked uh, she was um mentoring Emily um but she never told me like she never told Emily my name or anything yeah um so it was just this massive coincidence that as I started telling her this story she's like oh this is the girl that Martina was telling me about yeah um and um yeah so I was telling her my story and then at the end um she said something and it was like I feel she's like I feel like you're like 95% there but there's just something um that's still holding you back and I was Mm -hmm. like yeah you're right I'm like I'm still worried about all these what ifs like you know if this happens, like I was still saying, like, you know, if I deliver the baby and I don't feel, I'll transfer to hospital. Like I was still like holding on to those, you know, surprise things. What if this comes up? Yeah. What will I do? And I was like, no, yeah, you're right. I'm trying to be so confident, but yet still hung up on these little things that I can't control. Mm -hmm. So that was like that last 5% and it literally happened in like a second. I was like, that's it. Like, and then it was done. Then it was like smooth sailing from there so I think I was maybe 34 weeks when Emily came on the scene um and I started losing mucus plug at like 35 weeks wow that's early yeah um and it was there was a lot it was yeah so I was like this could happen like soon and I was confident like if it happened at 35 weeks I felt well within myself Mm-hmm. if I had a baby this time it would be fine um so I wasn't worried I wasn't concerned um and I whenever I was worried or concerned I would sort of you know tune into myself a bit and be like is this a fear or is this my intuition and most of the time it was fear yeah. um obviously having to the two births I'd previously had a lot of it was fear yeah um so I was constantly doing fear releases and and all that stuff that I thought was too out there for me the first two times I'm like but I'm fucking doing all of it this time like obviously yeah. it's there for a reason um yeah. so I yeah I did all that work and then I'd set up my birth back like everything was just sort of plodding along I wasn't concerned because I'd obviously gone over with my daughter so I was mm-hmm. like you know if it happens when it happens if I go to I was prepared to go to 42 weeks Mm -hmm. every night I'd go to bed and I'd have like these practice contractions maybe or like pretty intense um I don't want to call them Braxton Hicks because it's a shit name um (laughs) yeah it's a man's name many years ago I know and then we own birth not men so um 
Well, I'll just call them practice contractions. And yep. every night I'd go to bed and I'd be like, if it's labor, I'll wake up. If it's not labor, I'm just going to fucking sleep because mm-hmm. I, I need to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so 39 weeks came mm-hmm. and um, I think it was like a Sunday, um, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. We'd been at a kid's party all day. I just felt different, but not like anything else. I was just, just getting to the end and I was just tired and had had enough. And then that morning at four o'clock, I woke up and I was like, oh, you know, they haven't gone away overnight, you know, but they haven't woken me up. But I was just sort of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, uh, I sat up for a little while and they started to keep coming and I was like, oh, this could be it. So I was like, I'll just go relax in the shower for a bit. Um, but I messaged my doula and Emily just to let them know what was happening. Obviously, it was 4.30 in the morning. No one's waking up. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then when I was in the shower, my husband was like, do you think this is it? And I'm like, yeah, I reckon this is probably it. So I was like 39 and three. Yeah. Um, and it's so funny because like the story, the two stories I've just told you are so detailed because it's like the obstetrician did this, then this happened, then they did this, then this happened. Yeah. But, but this birth is just like I went into labour, I had a baby. That's, yeah. That's legitimately <laughs> all that happened. <laughs> it's so true I feel like that on my podcast recently I was saying to my last guest like let's try not to focus on like the hospital the shit that they've done because I feel like it gets more airtime because yeah like you say it's just like then this happened then this happened where your free birth it's just like yeah and then a baby slipped out of my vagina and I caught it (laughs) that's it I wish it slipped but (laughs) yeah well you know it came out of my vagina and I caught it and it's so fucking simple like yeah it's not a fucking ordeal all the ordeals are these hospital stories exactly exactly so yeah it was straightforward um Emily came around eight. My doula came here at about six. She was amazing. She was. Um, I want to ask about the doula. When did you get her? Right at the start or? Right at the start. Yeah. We had this weird, um, almost like spiritual connection. Yep. Um, the way she found out she was pregnant with her fourth baby. I kind of had like a similar experience with this baby. So it was just like, I, that for me was a sign that I was like, I have to have you as my support person. Yeah um and even yeah you go even the way I met her like just through Instagram and she happened to be a friend of a friend like it was just too many coincidences I had to had to have her there um and Uh, she was so good she was um obviously pro free birth or whatever like how did she was she she a free birth doula or not no so she was transitioning at the time I'm not sure if she's doing doula work at the moment um But she was just really put off by hospitals around this time. And she's like, I'm just not sure where I'm sitting at the moment. So she was happy to um, to give uh, that a go. Um, because she would have signed up with you at the time that you were planning a hospital birth still. Yeah, but my original plan was to stay at home as long as possible and go yeah. to the hospital when I was pushing. So yeah. I was like, if the yeah. baby happens to come out, while we're at home would you be okay with that she's like yeah that's fine yeah so it was kind of that plan in the beginning okay um it just wasn't as you know detailed as it got other further along with pregnancy yeah it all became clearer to you (laughs) when I was like fuck the hospital I'm staying home they're not touching me (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah so she was here early and she was 
like she was an angel I honestly think if I had anyone supporting me the way she did and the way Emily did with the first two there would have been no no dramas whatsoever yeah um I just needed someone to just help me through when I get about like four centimeters I don't I just my hips and my lower back like so much pain I don't know if it's like a hereditary family thing that we're having investigated or anything but um it's a like a rare arthritis and it sort of starts within your spine so I don't know whether that's related Mm -hmm. um but that is like her like when she first started doing the counter pressure I was like, can you do harder? Like in the end, she was like putting all her body weight in there. And I was like, it's still not enough, but just do it as hard as you can. Yeah. Um, and that was honestly a godsend. I, I, yeah, I can't, I don't know how I would have gotten through any of it without that. Um, but I Or maybe not. So, this will be interesting if you have another one, because maybe you could. <laughs> well, I'd need a new husband for that. <laughs> So that won't be happening. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> as much as like, I think it was like two weeks postpartum. I'm like, I could do that again. I yeah. A bit crazy, but uh, yeah. So I think yeah. So Emily was here about eight. I was in the bath at that stage because I was like, mm-hmm. a really like water for me. I grew up on the Gold Coast, so mm-hmm. surfing since I was like five or six, and um, oh, wow. water's just my like my calm space. It's it's everything. Yeah. So when it was all getting too much in the early stages I hopped in the bath and was you know relaxing in there and I sort of noticed that it was slowing everything down so I was like I know I need to get out but I just don't want to because I know that's when the intensity is going to kick up a level mm-hmm. and shit's going to get real so um Emily had got here and she's like look you know you're gonna have to get out because everything's slowing down and I was like I don't want you to say it but I know yeah so I was like okay and then I'd like partially get up and then sort of wait for a contraction be like oh I can't I have to stay the bath <laughs> I think I went through like four contractions like that and I was then they were like okay we're we're sick of your shit get out of the bath um so I say that like they obviously didn't speak to me like that but it was just like that's the people I wanted around me because that's how I feel I needed to be spoken to that's why I hired Martina in the beginning because I <laughs> wanted these people to pull me up on my um on my bullshit basically because you know mm-hmm. how you sort of feel sorry for yourself I wanted these people to just be like you know this is what you wanted mm-hmm. you know follow through yeah um yeah so I got out of the bath and they're like you should go downstairs and go for a walk outside and I got all rugged up um and I have some really amazing birth like laboring photos around this time mm-hmm. but the thing that annoys me is my doula Jess was like hey Scott can you go and get your wife like a one of your t-shirts to put on so we can take her outside we went to um Universal Studios in like I don't know what year it was and he bought a quickie mart t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wearing a quickie mart t-shirt with like a poo's head on there and like laboring <laughs> at the time I was like don't fucking care just put whatever on me and yeah now I look back and I'm like fucking hell I can't share them anywhere I look like a fucking idiot but yeah it is what it is you can share I love that because I think (laughs) sometimes we see two curated um 
There's so many people with black lacy bras in those birth that's photos. True. Like, that's let's see true. the real. Let's yeah, embrace. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's embrace, embrace the realness of labor. That have, husbands that have humor, sense of yeah, humor. Exactly. Yeah. So we went downstairs and I went to go outside, open the door. I was like, no fucking way. It's freezing. Close the door. And I was like, I'll just walk up and down the hallway. Yeah. I think about this time it was about 10 o'clock and Emily's like, you know, you know, she still could have hours to go. And at this point she still, she had Stevie. Stevie was yeah, little. a little baby as well. So she went home. She was maybe half an hour mm-hmm. like away from me. So she went home, fed Stevie. Um, and at that point when I was at home, I was like, oh my God, nothing is happening. You know, this could take forever. Have I got it in me? And even though I went through all of that in my head, I was never like, I need to go to hospital. I need to make this pain go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point I was like, oh my God, this is going to take forever. I'm in pain. It hurts. And then I remember walking down the hallway. Um, I grew up in a Christian family, so I still kind of pray sometimes like that's yeah. like my little, my little thing. So yeah. I was walking down the hallway and I just said like, please Lord, just get me through this. Um, I, you know, it's, it's getting quite hard for me. Um, and then I reminded myself too, that it was like, no one can get me out of this. This is, you know, um, no one can save me. I have to do this myself. So I think literally, um, within, I looked at the clock, it was 11 o'clock and then it was like quarter past 11. My, I was like, I started to feel really sick and I like leant over the, um, couch and had this really strong contraction, the water's released. And then I was like, get me this spew bag. And I was like throwing up and there was water's releasing. It was just a big mess everywhere. <laughs> um, and that was like 15 minutes after I had like this mental, like I prayed and then was like, I've got to get through this. Like, this is up to me, nobody else. Yeah. And it was like Emily leaving was just like that. Okay. Like this reset within myself. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So She'd just gotten home, fed Stevie, got a message. Her waters are broken. Um, so she's like, all right, well, I'll finish feeding Stevie and I'll, you know, head over soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't rush back, um, which is fine. because She snuck in like she ninjaed in just before <laughs> I had him. Um, and then so my waters broke. The next contraction, I was like, holy shit, like the next level. Um and then my daughter was like, just go for a walk up and down the stairs, get baby in um, a really good position. I walked halfway up because we have like a U bend and a, like a platform halfway mm-hmm. up. I walked halfway up and I was like, that, this is my cue to go being my little bubble again. I'm not fucking staying downstairs any longer because mm-hmm. at this point, like the sun was up, you know, I just wanted to be in like my little cave in the yeah. dark. Um, yes, yeah, so I got upstairs and I was like, this is this is like intense and throughout the whole labor I kept feeling like a weird pressure in my bladder felt like I needed to wee so I kind of felt like I also couldn't relax because I didn't want to wean myself every contraction it was it's hard to explain Mm -hmm. um so I went to the toilet and then I made like this weird noise and my doula was like are you pushing and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) I just need to get in the shower so I got in the shower um and I couldn't, so I was like leaning over at one point in like the, um, like the cutout. I was like, had my hands on that bit and leaning over, but I couldn't do that anymore. It was hurting too much. So I like sat in the 
um, shower leaning back and that was a, a good position um, for me. I must have been my hips or whatever it was or his position, but, yeah, that was the most comfortable for me. And um, I just remember sort of feeling, not like I was pushing at that stage, but something was happening and it was getting all too much and I needed more pain relief. And for me, the bath was, the pool was it. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm like, can you um, drain some water? Because obviously it was cold by then. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you drain some water and put some hot water in there? Like, yeah, but to do that, you have to get out of the shower. I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, just do it. (laughs) So I got out. She got me the, um, my daughter got me the fit ball. She's like, here, sit on this. And I like literally like sat on it and I was like, oh, no way. Stood straight back. I was like, that fucking hurts. <laughs> and then like leant over the bed and she was like, so much water came out at that point. Um, and here's my poor husband, like freaking out at home birth and stuff. And he's, he didn't know there was a pump to drain the water out of the... <laughs> the bar so he's like siphoning it and trying not to vomit at the same time so all I can hear is him like (laughs) in the the bathroom oh it's hilarious um yeah so eventually we got some water out I got in the pool and just as I think I'd only been there for a few minutes and Emily was had snuck back in I think she got here at about 12 quarter past 12 and I'd been in the bath for a few minutes um we got it semi-warm and I was like, I don't care. I just need to get in. So I got in and um, I f- around like what, a quarter past one maybe, I started getting the contractions had changed. And obviously because I'd never been through it before, mm. if I sort of, I don't even know how to explain it, I would get the contraction and the only thing that would make it feel better was to push. Mm. I'd sort of fight it in the beginning and it was really, really painful at that point. And then Mm -hmm. like once I would push with it, it would like, it wasn't as painful. So like every, like maybe four or five contractions, it would start with like this really sharp, like, I don't even know how to, yeah. So like that sharp pain, but then I realized, okay, I've got to go with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I realized that this was me pushing and there was no like, you know, quickly check me in my 10 centimeters. It was like, my body's fucking doing it. Yeah. It doesn't like I don't need any help. It's doing exactly what it needs to do. And I still remember Emily being like, Oh, you're 10 centimeters, you've got the purple line on your bum, you know. And I was like, I don't even need to know that. My body's doing what it needs to do. Yeah, exactly. I was like, thanks for the heads up, but I was like, Yeah, I already know. I figured that one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started pushing. Um, and again, the only thing that was comfortable for me was like that recline position on my on my butt. And um, I was like, I had my hand down there pretty much the whole time. I've got like a seven minute clip of um, the birth. My hand's pretty much there the whole time. Like I'm not moving it. I want to like feel everything. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've missed it two times. I want this to be that like one experience where I feel all the things. Yeah. Um, So I think it was like fifth push. I've like put my finger in and I was like, oh, I feel something like right there. And then it was like this realization, like, holy shit, I'm actually pushing a baby out. Yeah, I was like, wow, yeah. Um, so I think next couple of contractions, he was, you know, coming down. And I felt in the last, in the last one, I was like, oh, I felt him go up a bit. And I was like, fuck that. I was like, <laughs> I'm working hard to get you down. You are not going back up. So I don't know how I did it, but 
I'd hold it, hold it there, and then, you know, push again the next time. And he, you know, he was not going back up again. Um, and I got to the point where, like, everything was sort of stretching and I put my hand down there. For some reason, I hadn't processed that their heads were still really small when they were born. Mm-hmm. For some reason, you know, I'm looking at, like, babies, you know, a three-month-old baby, and I thought that that's how big it is kid's head was going and so I had my hand down I'm like there is no way this head is coming out I was like I don't know how much a vagina can stretch but it cannot stretch that much and yeah then Emily was like is that a fear or is that your intuition and I was like like internally I was like yeah good point and I just you know kept pushing through it Mm -hmm. um and um yeah so I think within like the next contraction head was out um and then I had minor tearing, lab- like I had a labia tear, yeah. which I didn't realise until six weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so tiny little tear. I got to the point where it was like, and I wish I could go back. This would be the only thing I would change. I wish I could go back and just breathe more and let myself stretch that little bit longer instead of like, I can't hurt too much, just push and, yeah. you know, rip rip everything open. Not that yeah. it, that happened, but. Yeah. Um, I just and wish I had the patience to breathe through one more time and then, and yes, then give it my yes, all. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I felt the same with my pre-birth that I pushed too hard at the end. Yeah. It was a bit of a fear response from my Definitely. previous hospital birth of like, I need to get this baby out fast. Oh, um, right. Because that's when I transferred to the hospital 20 minutes before he was born. And so I hadn't processed that. So next time, if I have another yeah. one, I'll process it a little more. Yeah. Um, oh. but that's it it's all the learning like unless you do it how do you know for next time exactly and we have to go through these things to learn and you caught him yourself was that a conscious decision you'd made or it just happened at the time I pretty much was just like leave me to it I've got yeah. this like yeah. I and I think the position I was in it was pretty easy to do because yeah you know, I was reclined on my back I could see they'd yeah. be coming out sort of oh actually yeah. no, I'd moved at that point but um so his head was out for quite a while and then Emily's like you know you know we should probably try and next push try and see if we can get the rest of him out and I remember pushing and I was like there's no longer any sort of traction there it's just fluid coming out so I was like it's not working (laughs) um so I think for two or three contractions that was you know what was happening I'm like I can only feel fluid I can't feel like shoulders or anything Mm-hmm. and then just before Emily was about to say maybe you should try moving I like instinctively sort of went on my side with like mm-hmm. my leg like right up and mm-hmm. then he came out um from there so I remember like I can still remember feeling like that perennial tear as he came out in that last push mm-hmm. um and then I grabbed onto him um sort of sat back down on my butt grabbed him his arms were like out wide like you know ready to <laughs> greet me and um I've grabbed him and I'm like oh shit there's still more inside me I've got to push the rest of him out <laughs> so but he was so long so yeah push the rest of him out and then just slowly brought him up out of the water and um it was amazing like it was I'd never experienced the vernix or the first cry or any of that so he came out and he was just covered in vernix like it was so thick mm. um, how many weeks was he in the end 39 and 3. Okay, yeah. See, I've never had Vernix babies because they're like two weeks over. So 
Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, the photos or the video you can see it's quite vernixy. Yeah. Yeah, he was covered. It was thick. Um, it was almost like, hey, you lost it. You know, you didn't have it. You didn't experience all the things the first time. He's he's everything. <laughs> yeah, he's everything. We'll throw everything in the mix. Um, yeah, so I brought him up and I was like, I wanted. I felt like I wanted to be that person that was emotional, like, oh, my God, I just had my V back. I did it, like, but I don't, like, I still haven't had, like, those tears of joy. I just don't think that I'm that kind of person. I yeah, have I'm, those tears of joy for other people, yeah. but for yeah. me, I'm, like, I just. I'm similar. I see all these photos of people, like, after they've had their baby and they're crying and, oh, my God, or they've got this really joyful look on their face. I was just like, yeah, I just did that, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was just, yeah. like, my feeling, like, fuck yeah. I did that. <laughs> yeah, I did that and I just did what I needed to do and it's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, I was just like, yes, I yeah. did that. But I think it's just like what you're enculturated to do. Like for me, I'm a little bit of an understated person when it comes to emotions. Maybe I've suppressed them too much my <laughs> life. But, you know, like especially like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just not who I am. But or right yeah, now, same. right yeah. now who I am. Maybe that's I'll true. grow and be able to embrace those emotions as I get older um I intellectualize everything um Mm. but yeah you know everyone's different right and yeah but yeah how did you feel in that moment picking him up I was like like I was like oh my god like I can't believe I've actually done this like this is incredible um and then like just I think I remember Jess my daughter saying the way you were talking to Chris like once he was here was just like she was like it was so beautiful because we were like when I was talking to him I was saying oh my god we did it it was like a team thing it was like we you know we got through this together and because like when he started crying um I remember listening to like a few um birth stories and I think one that really stood out I can't even remember where I heard it but it was like we spent so long trying to make the baby cry and then when they start crying we try and make them be quiet yeah I was letting him like verbalize it all and I was talking to him I was like yeah it was hard work wasn't it like we're both you know we both just went through that I feel your pain like literally (laughs) yeah yeah so that was amazing and I um oh yeah I just took it all in and he was like he cried for a few seconds and then he was just sort of looking around he's like okay I want to sleep now I fell asleep we got out of the pool I think most of my blood loss was from, so I had the labial tear and a perennial tear. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing was, um, you know, really bad. Like I think the perennial tear was between like a grade one, grade two, mm-hmm. um, which everything, and I obviously didn't know about the labial tear um, mm-hmm. until six weeks because I started sort of feeling around. It's funny though, like I want to say if you are pregnant listening to this, start looking down there and look what your normal looks like because mm-hmm. I had no idea. So now when I look at it, I'm like, what? what is that? Like, was that there before? I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, I want to say where the labial tear happened. So when I was pregnant with my son, my obstetrician did like an internal check at 39 weeks or something. And he was like, do you know you've got like a little bit of hymen left? And I was like, yeah, I do know that. <laughs> but I'd never, like it had never come up anywhere or anything. And it mm-hmm. was like this skin that went across from either side 
and it was never an issue except if I was using tampons because it would get stuck and but the skin just stretched so that's mm-hmm. probably why it never tore from intercourse or anything like that yeah so when my son was born he's like do you want me to remove that and I was like well yeah because it, it kind of gets in the way of some things so he removed that bit of skin and I reckon I've torn where that scar tissue was. Ah, that makes so when, sense. Yeah, so when obviously my baby has come out, it's torn on that side. Because mm-hmm. in the full birth video, you see the blood come from that left side first and then from the um, perineum. So like mm. when his shoulders came out, that's when the rest happens. So yeah, that was... A little bit of a interesting thing um mm. but yeah I let everything heal naturally everything went back to somewhat normal I mean you know cosmetically it's never gonna exactly. look the same but who looks down there anyway so <laughs> and you've had a baby from your exactly. vagina so there's yes. the proof right there um not that we need proof but you know what I mean exactly like it's just yeah. like a I think people it's think not gonna um, look like a vagina a should look like a 12-year-old. Yeah. I think that's kind of fucking weird. Um, exactly. <laughs> let's look like a lady exactly. who's given birth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so we hopped out of the bath at this point. Like, my husband was a bit useless with the towels and that sort of stuff, so everyone was just grabbing stuff from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the blankets we were using was one of my son's blankets that he takes downstairs, and we've got two border collies, so there was just dog hair all over it. <laughs> and I'm holding... <laughs> Chris covered in vernix, covered in dog hair. Oh, it's like, oh well, it's good for his, you know, immune system. Yeah, good for his immune system. What's the word? Micro microbiome. Yeah, getting a wide one. variety right now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was funny because we were both just covered in stickiness and, and dog hair. Um, and um, I think it was a little while after. Um, the after pains had really started kicking in. Emily was like, you want to try and get the placenta? I was like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. Sat over a bowl and I pushed as hard as I could. And I think like subconsciously I was like the tears. I was like worried that they would hurt. So I wasn't giving it my all. And I like pushed for a bit and like these clots came out. I was like, oh, good. The placenta. I was like, oh, wait, the, the cord's still there. <laughs> that wasn't my placenta. So, um, yeah, we, I think, Two hours later, she gave me some like tincture, mm-hmm. some special medicine. And 10 minutes later, we sat on the toilet, put a bowl in the toilet, and I managed to get, to get the placenta out. Mm-hmm. No, you know, no scary bleeding, no, you know, um, anything like that. We just sort of went on how I was feeling and how I was looking. Mm-hmm. I wasn't dizzy. I hadn't lost color. I was fine. So there was no issues. And then, um, I got to cut the cord myself, tie mm. the the, um, the cord tie and do all that. So that was exciting for me. Yeah. And then, like, even just, like, the first, like, tapu, like, I'd never mm-hmm. experienced it. So I was like, oh, my God, that's what this is. Like, it was, Oh, yeah. wow. It's oh, amazing how much t- is taken away from mothers that, you know, have babies taken away from them for however many yeah. first hours. You don't think about that. It's all no, these things you that you got to experience. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, you know, some people are like, oh, who cares about Tapu? But for me, it was like I'd missed everything. Like yeah. every everything had been taken away from from me. Not not any fault of anyone else's or, mm-hmm. you know, but it's just like we're so conditioned to just let everybody else do whatever mm-hmm. they want because we're pregnant. 
Yeah. Um, but I was not having it <laughs> this yeah. time around. And it was such an amazing experience. Yeah. This time. But and yeah. what about breastfeeding? Oh, milk was in day two. I started um, expressing colostrum at maybe 35 weeks. And the first collection, I think I got like six meals. Like, what the fuck? Like, normally I'm like lucky to get one meal. I was like, where is this colostrum coming from? And I, I put it down to the fact that I had full trust in my body. Like mm. I, there was nothing hindering any of the development or anything like that, but it could just be an individual thing. Um, so day two, like milk was like my boobs were mango, like not mangoes, melons. Um, yes. Yeah. And we've been breastfeeding ever since. Um, Amazing. And um, I put in a post yesterday on my Instagram. I was like, our bond has been so much better this time. I feel like we're like one person. Um, I've never, if I've had a doubt about like, why are you crying? What's wrong? I always do that thing where it's like, okay, am I, is that fear-based or is that intuition-based? And normally it's fear-based. So I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing and I know exactly what he needs. Um, so the pregnancy has been a huge help for that to mm. get through that as well. Um, Absolutely, because it starts your mothering off, doesn't it? Of Do you trust yeah. yourself or do you trust somebody else? That's it, that's it. And I remember in the beginning, like, um, I started Googling things and then I sort of pulled myself up and I was like, why am I asking outside sources? I need to ask, like, myself. Mm -hmm. I remember saying that to Emily I was like I don't stop you know the intuition doesn't stop once you give birth Mm -hmm. you need like I need to continue that she was like yep exactly (laughs) so yeah it's just been a massive like wake-up call and it's I feel not like ripped off at the other experiences that I didn't get to sorry (coughs) bond that well with my other two children I'm like it is what it is I can't go back and I can't change that I can just you know move forward from this and embrace you know what I know now yep um but yeah what I know now is just it's made such a big difference to how we bond how he's I don't know if the fact that the way he was born or how relaxed I am because it's my third or any of that um but I've just noticed he's so much more content he it's almost like he communicates exactly what he needs maybe it's just because I can pick it up like without the distraction there now but it's like um if he wants to be if he wants to go to sleep and he wants to sleep on me then he can sleep on me but sometimes I can tell he's like I just want my own space so I'll put him in his bed and he'll sleep like the other two it was always want contact always want that closeness because you know they experienced um maybe even they um, lost that experience from the way they were born. Like, you know, they were in me and then all of a sudden mom's gone for hours. We don't know where she is. So when you want that closeness nonstop mm. until they realize, you know, till they get to that age, it's like, okay, well, we know she's in the next room. Um, whereas Chris is like, yep, whatever. I know you're there. Um, I know, you know, you've got me, you, you know, you're always there for me whenever like I never he never has to doubt that Mm. um but I just feel like he's such like he's such a content baby because of the way I brought him into the world and um that I can listen to my intuition not have that um interference from any outside sources so 
Mm. It's, yeah, it's been such a different journey this time. Oh, so beautiful. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> it's you. just, yeah, such a beautiful story to hear. And I think what's really interesting, we were talking about this before we started recording. It was like, you know, when Martina said no to you. Yes. And I told her from the beginning, the reason I've hired you is because I want you to be brutally honest with me. Mm-hmm. So you did hire her. So she was yes. hired. Yes, and then she, she said hired. to you, um, I'm really sorry, but you aren't there yet and I don't feel like I can align with you because you're not aligned with me or whatever yeah yeah and that pushed you over the edge to take more responsibility for your birth is that right 100% yeah yeah so it's so great how we can well how you could because not everybody would take that like that they no that's it and that's like I've really struggled to tell that part of the story because I tried to make sense to it to some people and some people just can't wrap that part around so it's like I don't think she would have maybe she would have done it if I couldn't work through it but that ultimately led me to have the successful birth that I did because I was able to you know move past the things that I needed to move past so that was a blessing to me yeah absolutely and that I I don't want to quote Martina, but I think she said something to me like she believed in you more than you believed in yourself at that point or something. And she just didn't feel like that was right. And so she had to step away. So then you could do that for yourself. And yeah, it's really interesting that no's can actually be such a um, great thing in your life. You know, we're so used to seeing yeses, but that actually opens up space for something else. 100% 100% yeah and she's got to do yeah. what's what's right for her like exactly you know imagine being so invested like you know obviously I told you earlier as well that I'm considering becoming a birth keeper now yes great but it's like being so invested in somebody else's birth and then it not going the way you envisioned it mm-hmm. because they weren't mentally prepared for it because you hadn't given them the space to be prepared for it mm-hmm. yeah so I had a similar thing with um, the midwife, Narafia, who's been on my show as well, right at the start of my pregnancy, my free birth. And I asked her to be my midwife. And she said, no, (laughs) she (laughs) said, um, I've told this story heaps of times on the podcast, um, that she'd pulled cards and we weren't aligned. And I'm thinking, what, what the fuck? Does she not like (laughs) me? Um, but then when I sat with it, I was like, she, cause she said, you've told me you wanted to free birth. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want. And that's what I had told you. And yes, it would be out of alignment to have you as my midwife there. That's yeah. not what I need exactly. right now. Right now I need to have this birth and baby myself. And it was the fucking best mm-hmm. thing she could ever say to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to see everything from the different perspectives, you know, and um but obviously Wait, they both yeah. they both knew that we could process it that way. Like, you know, yeah. you say no to some people and they're like, well, fuck you, you know. What's Poor your me, problem? victim, victim, victim. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. Um, well, there's something wrong with you, not with me. But we were yeah. able to go, okay, so why did they say no? And yeah. then, like, work through that. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. And um, what was I going to say now completely? <laughs> what I was going to say is what um, when I spoke to Emily, when she recommended you, she was like, Jamie just really gets it and I was like great I need her on my show like (laughs) because a lot of people don't 
well, obviously a lot of people don't get it. Um, the so vast much, majority of the world doesn't. Yeah, sorry. There's so much fear. And, like, even what I've been through, obviously my experience, you know, not everyone gets to experience what I have. Um, but I have definitely learnt from my experiences and I know where my walls would go. Like, once I'm a birthkeeper, there's no fucking way in hell I'm stepping foot into a fucking hospital. Yep, same as me. <laughs> <laughs> so I already know those limits and I feel like I worked through so much during my pregnancy that there's no fear around birth. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I don't even know what to say. I just lost for words with the whole thing. So oh, yeah. I'm still trying to process it. <laughs> It's so wonderful. Well, Jamie, we better wrap up there. But if people did want to connect with you, maybe see your little birth video, uh, what's the best way? So my um, Instagram is no BS birth. Um, obviously, it's pretty self-explanatory because you know, we deal through so much bullshit with the system. I'm trying to, like, you know, explain my story and, um, you know, empower women that way. So, yeah. Uh, well, wonderful, Jamie. It was just so wonderful to see that really fast growth with you. Obviously, it was slow, slow, slow. And then you got to like, what, 30, 34 weeks and you're like, bang, here I yeah, am. Yeah, I never do things in half, so. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, thank you again and um, I'll speak to you soon. Awesome, Bye. thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Renegade Mama. If you would like to connect with me, submit a birth story, or just find out a little more about what I do, check out my website at therenegademama.co or you can connect with me on Facebook as The Renegade Mama or Instagram as the underscore renegade underscore mama. Lastly, can I ask you share this episode with at least one other person? I want every woman to know it's possible to birth in her power. So please share far and wide. Until next week, remember to follow your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign. We are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts.